0: prayer. He did it again. Amen. And so we're excited. Put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you. You're going to pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege that we have. God, just to receive your word, to hear your word. And God, we pray that it would not fall on deaf ears, but we would open our ears. We would open our hearts, God, to learn from you tonight. We love you, God, that you are so good and life changing for us. We thank you. We praise you. We adore you in Jesus name. Come on, shout amen. Come on, high five someone around and say, you're looking good tonight. Looking good. Looking good. So really excited about the series that we are in right now on a Wednesday night. We started it last week. We're talking about reaching my world. Can you say that with me? Reaching my world. Come on, say it like you have a passion for that world. Come on, reaching my world. Touching those around. Taking Christ To those I come in contact with each and every day. And why would we teach on subjects like this? I'll tell you why. Because as long as heaven and hell are a reality, we're going to do everything we can just short of sin to touch as many people as possible. Amen. We're not going to sin with it, but we're going to come as close as we can to touch as many people for Christ as we possibly can. Because God saved you for what purpose? Do you think God just saved you so you can say I'm a Christian? Do you think God just saved you so you can just live a happy life and go to heaven and not impact anyone around you? No. God saved you for you now to be a soul winner. For you to go out and share with other people the same joy and life change that God has given to you to show them that if God can do it for you, He sure can do it for them. And you have been strategically placed to make a difference. I want to read something from a book, Four Cups. Chris Hodges read it on Monday and just thought it was incredible, underlined it in the book. And it says this The best way to discover your divine destiny. That's probably one of the most asked questions I get as a pastor. Pastor, tell me what God's will is for my life. Listen to me. The best way to discover. Your divine destiny, in other words, what God wants you to do is to understand your divine design, how God made you. So to discover what God has for me, I find that in discovering how God made me. So to put it simply, your design will most of the times reveal your destiny. So let me explain Here's a scripture from Ephesians 2. Don't have it on the screen. It says, God's workmanship, you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You can trust that God deliberately made you the way that you are. He didn't create you and then think, hmm, I wonder what I can do with this one. God did not breathe life into you and then decide what your purpose would be. Just the opposite. God had something in mind for you to do and then He created you to do it. Listen to this. God saw a need. God saw a hole. God saw a vacancy in the world and He designed you to fill it. Every one of us has a divine purpose, and that is to live for God. To tell other people about Christ. Come on, we're designed for a specific purpose. But that means we are called and created to reach the lost. And to do that, we really need a new strategy. A new strategy is needed today to touch the lives of other people. The message stays the same. Don't change the gospel message. Take Jesus out, there's no gospel. You dilute it, you're going to see weakened down results. We're not changing the message. But what are we doing? We're looking at the methods that we can use to touch other people. Last week, we began by discussing, if I'm going to reach my world, I've got to identify what I'm up against. Who was here last week? We gave you 11 things that you need to identify and realize. Some of them was like this. People are more affluent than what they ever have been before. That's a problem because now they've got more money to do more things that keeps them away from God. We're living in a busy society. What does that mean? 24-7 now. People are working Sundays as much as they are Mondays now. It's a another weekday. People have greater activities. Kids now, traveling, doing all the extra curriculum activities. There are so many more options, online, things to research. And we gave you 11 of those last week. And we've got to identify what we are up against. And so tonight I want to take us to the next stage. Can you say with me, understand? understand. We've identified and now we are going to understand. And then next week we're going to reach. Next week we're going to show how we can really impact And touch them. So we've identified the position of those around. Tonight we're going to understand their mind, what we're up against. And then next week we're going to talk about how we can impact their lives for God, speaking their language as we reach them. And listen, speaking their language is not compromise. It can be, but that's not what we're preaching here. We're preaching to share the gospel message with other people. Come on, stay with me again, understand. Amen. So let's talk tonight and discover about the characteristics of today's unchurched person. If we were to look at today's unchurched person versus someone who was unchurched 10 years ago, we're going to see there's been a real change. A real change. One of the greatest changes that we're going to see is between the years. It's a change of mindset that's radically changed. And our culture is changing that even more and more. So we need to be able to deal with or understand the new mindset that we're dealing with when we're talking to people. Because if we don't understand their mindset, we're going to be literally talking a different language. We're going to be talking something that they're going to look at us and say, man, you are weird, not in the good way. You are weird in the crazy way. And they're going to turn away. You're going to be telling them about God and trying to show them this and, and they're not going to hear it. Why? Because we've got to understand what we're up. So we're going to go through a list tonight. And I really believe this will really challenge some of the assumptions that we have and we have held on to for years. Well, this is how I'm going to tell people about Christ. This is how we win them. This is how we've always done it. And if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for now. Maybe it is. But why not open your heart to see and say, maybe God can use a new method. Maybe God can use a new way for me to reach and to touch other people. Because what? There are many people out there that need Christ. I said there are many people out there that need Christ and there are many infrequent attenders, unchurched people who in themselves have a bad mindset when it comes to Christianity and church. So I want to give you 12 things tonight. It's a lot, I know. I'm going to give you 12 things tonight. Make sure you're taking notes. We tried to have our notes up, but I don't think they came up for whatever reason reason. So we're going to work hard on that on Sunday. Miss Nancy had them all in tonight. So I apologize for that. Trust me, nothing we did. It's just something that cyberspace did. Number one, are you ready? They don't all have big problems. They don't all have big problems. If we are waiting for unchurched people to show up, because their lives are falling apart we might be waiting a long time today okay yes for sure there are always people who in a crisis are finding god some of the greatest opportunities I've had to share with people is whether they've gone through a loss of a family member or they've lost a job or a business or, and they're just really broken hearted. That crisis, that moment the doctors told them the report's not looking good. That crisis moment many times will bring people to God. But we can't rely on everyone having a crisis moment to find God. Because today, look around us today, there are many people who are quite content with their lives without God. Come on. They are quite content with their lives even without God. So sad, but true. So we have more self-made... If you can go back to that last slide. That's good. That's not yet. There you go. We have more self-made people today than we ever have before. What do I mean by that? People that think, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I don't need church. I don't need Christianity. in fact, many of those people today who think like that, they regard Christianity as a religion, as they call it. It's a relationship, but they call it a religion wrongly. They've regarded Christianity as a religion that's for weak, needy people that need someone to cling on to. Do you realize that? That's what Christianity has been labeled as. Oh, the needy people need that. I don't. I've got my life in order. Kelly and I know some people in our family like that. If you were to sit down with them and talk to them about church, they would pretty much tell you, I don't need that because I've got a good job. I've got good success. I've got a nice home. I've got everything going for me. So why do I need that? So if we're looking today for people to be in a great need, it's not going to happen across the board. There are going to be times and there are going to be moments. So here's what we've got to understand. You see, to every point tonight, I'm going to give you an understanding. Is that cool? Because that's what we want to do. So the first understand tonight is this. If we only know how to speak to discontented and people in a crisis, we will miss most of our neighbors. So we've got to understand that. If we're waiting for this big crisis to come and save the day, we're maybe going to miss a whole lot more than we're going to reach. So we need to understand a new strategy, a new plan needs to happen in our lives. Of course, church is still for the broken, don't get me wrong. And we have that. We have crossroads. What a great opportunity for people who are struggling, just needs, just needing that uplift, that help in life. I love that. That's what church should all be about but we also need to be a church that is about the people who don't even know they're broken. And again, at Heartseas, that's who we were. But now encounter, we want people all walks of life to come and experience God for themselves. Look at this statement. We need to know how to speak to the person and not just to the need. And it's so important in our lives. What if they don't appear to have a need in our lives? We've got to be able to speak to that person. To so just love them. Just to conversate with them. Hang out with them. Build relationship with them. Because the reality is this. Everyone has a need. Just some are wearing a mask and blocking that need. And if you don't take the time to get beyond that mask, you'll never see the need. And you'll never be able to help meet the need. So... All aren't going to have a crisis and a big problem, but all still need Jesus. Okay, number two, most are spiritual. Have you noticed how much more spiritual people are today? I'll tell you what, Pete can testify to this too. A massive adjustment coming from England over to America. When we came to America, nearly everyone you talked to had someone or something that was connecting them to a church. In fact, they tell us that over 30% of Americans go to church or are involved in some way and connected to church. And we can look and say, well, that's not that great, 30%. Pete and I came from England, less than 2%. Less than 2% went to church. Pete's testimony, if you've heard it, 40 years of life before he came over to America. The only two people he ever knew, that were Christians, was a couple in 40 years of his life, two people that went to church. And he'll tell you that they didn't live a Christian life and they never even invited him to come to church. So in 40 years of his life, he never came in contact except with a couple who were Christians in his whole life. Over here, you can't fathom that. And we realize that because why? We are living in a spiritual country. And we can say, well, thank God for that, and we should. But you know what also? Religion is destroying more people than we imagine today. Because most people today have some type of belief in a God. In a God of some kind. We look today at all the different denominations. All the different branches of this. First Baptist, second Baptist, third Whatever, all the different denominations and breaks and splits, all the different religions of this world just popping up everywhere. New Age is massive, scientific. Come on. And do you know that the New Age gospel, and it's not really the gospel, the New Age message that they have a Jesus too, But it's a different Jesus to who we have because their Jesus is a good person. Their Jesus is a prophet. I'm telling you, my Jesus ain't just a good person. He ain't just a prophet. He's the Son of God. And that makes all the difference. People are so spiritual today, they say there is no God. Atheism is at a rampant in our society. People who are agnostic... Denying that. All these things. But why? Because they are more in tune with themselves, with nature, with this spirituality that's going on. So when we're talking to people today, listen, most have the right answers. Let's be honest. Most of them can quote scripture to you. Most of them, when you quote scripture, they'll finish the verse because they know exactly what's going on. But the problem is this. You don't get to heaven with what you know you get to heaven with who you know. And that's a big difference today because man's knowledge is greater when it comes to spiritual things, but yet man is more lost today than he ever has been before. Because it's not about knowledge, it's about relationship. It's about experience with God. Look at the scripture, James two, nineteen, New Living Translation. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. So question, through their belief that the demons have, will they be in heaven? Come on, they're not going to be in heaven. Demons are not going to be in heaven. So what's the understanding? Here's understanding number two. Are you ready? You may have a belief, but few... Have a relationship. Come on, it's not really what you know, but it's who you're placing your faith in. And again, it's back to the talents we talked about from Matthew 25 on Sunday. Well, man, they got more than me. That's not the story. The story is this what you have, what are you doing with it? It's important to have a belief, it's important to know God. We've got to have that knowledge. But what are we doing with that knowledge and belief will determine the results and the reward from our life. Because belief alone is not your ticket to heaven. Because if that was your ticket to heaven, you just have to sit in the corner of a room and believe that you are saved and you're going to make it to heaven. Belief is not enough. And I said this earlier, but religion will put more people to hell than probably anything else on the face of this earth. And what does religion say? Just believe, just believe, just believe. Number three, people today are not even sure what Christian means. They are not sure what Christian even means. And that's partly our fault. We've got to take responsibility for that because we're like chameleons. In church, we're one way. And then when we go to the world, we're the other way. We, we just blend to every environment that we're a part of. And that's not godly. God wants us to stand up and to stand out and to be holy people. Well, God wants me to be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. A big difference. And we've got to make this clear again because we can't afford to make any assumptions about what people understand about our Christian faith. It used to be if you talked about being Christian, everyone knew what you meant. Now people don't. What's that mean? What's that mean? You wear a crucifix around your neck? What's that mean? You pray to Mary? What's that mean? You pray five times a day and you pray? I mean, really, we are living in a generation today that doesn't really understand Christian the term Christian first came from, I'll show you, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. It's talking about Paul and the disciples of Christ. It says, and when he had found him, they brought him to Antioch. So in Antioch, they stayed there, the Bible says, and assembled with the church and great many people for a whole year. So for a year in Antioch, they hung out, they preached, they taught. They just shared the goodness of God. And look what it says, and the disciples, that's just a word for followers. And the followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. That word Christian literally means little Christs. They were little Christs. And that was really meant as an insult. Oh, look at those little Jesuses. Look at those little Christs. They were using it in mockery to make fun of them. But can I go on record by saying what was meant as an insult became our greatest honor. Because if someone's saying, I'm a Christian, I'm like Christ, that's the greatest honor that we could live on the face of the earth. So what's the understanding here? The same thing again. Understanding number three. People do not know today what Christian means. And how will they know unless you tell them, come on, nudge your neighbor and say, that's you. You've got to tell him. You've got to tell him. This okay tonight? Number four, you cannot call them back to something they never knew. You can't call someone back to something they have never known in their life. Think about the term revival. That's a word that we use a lot past tense in the church. We're going to go to a good old tent revival. I think that word revival in itself is not the word we should use because I think some things are dead for a reason. To revive means to bring back to life. I think some things need to stay dead. I believe what the better word would be, we need a reformation. What does that mean? We need to come back to the truth. We need to come back to the truth of God. But when we're talking about revival and bringing people back or a reformation, coming back to the truth, we can get excited when we know the truth, but when people... Don't know the truth, they're like, well, what's that? We are dealing with so many people today that don't know church. They don't know church life. They were not brought up in that. So they don't know it. They tell us we are on the second to the fifth generation of unchurched people, is where we're at right now. The second to the fifth generation. So to them, they no longer know that they even need to be in church. And they certainly don't know why they need to be in church. So what do we need to understand? Here's understand number four. Are you ready? We need to rethink our assumptions about ministry and culture. We need to rethink this because if we're calling people back, you just need to be in church. If we're just preaching that message to them, they're going to look at us crazy and say, I don't know what you're talking about. We've got to show them why they need to be back in church. We've got to show them through the example of... Are you seeing this? We can't rely on the old way and the old school any longer. Why? Because people have a different mindset today. They don't see it like we do. Come on. So what have we got to do? We can't rely on people to walk only through the doors of our church. Because if we're relying on that, we're not going to see people touch. We've got to take church to their world. We've got to take church to our workplaces, to our schools, to our neighborhoods. We've got to take Christ and be the example to them. Number five, many have tried at church, but they have left. I'm sure you know someone. You've invited them to church, even said, I'll bring you to church. No, I'm not going to that. Why? had a bad experience. Went to this church and this happened and that happened. Not gone back to that. Come on, many people have had a bad experience of church. And one of the worst things that is happening today is social media. I think social media is great, but yet it's such a bad thing too. And I, I just want to help you with something. Can I just get on a soapbox for a minute and, and, and just make a statement? And I'm going to say something tonight, and I want you to hear me. I'm being a pastor to you tonight and leading you. Don't say anything negative about church on social media. Don't post anything negative about other Christians on social media. Don't post anything about pastors, leaders, anyone that is Christian, even if it's true. Come on, if such and such has run off with this person's wife and everything. Even if that's the God honest truth. Don't post that on social media. For what reason? You know why? Because you are spreading. You are spreading a lie. Oh, you say, well, that's the truth. No, what you're doing is deeper than that. Because what you are showing people is this. You are giving people another reason not to be in church. You're giving them another excuse. You may be able to handle it in your conversations with other people, but you you notice, come on, do it if you've done it. Go back and look at your post. If you've ever posted anything negative about Christ, church, or anything, look how many people will take the bullet and say, yeah, that's why I don't go to church anymore. Man, I preach. I know what you're talking about. Amen. That's why they're full of hypocrites. Notice the people who will come. Come on, even if it's truth, don't repeat it. If someone says to you, what do you think about that? Be positive about stuff. Turn around what's negative for good. Why? Because we need to be proclaiming the goodness of God because so many people have left church because of a bad experience. We're not going to give them another bad experience. We want to show them a good experience and we want to help their life. So what have we got to understand? Number five, their experience will influence their biases and their expectations. So you got to give them something greater. you got to give them something of a healing for their hurt. Come on, sometimes you got to fight through some negativity and some bad stuff with people to show them, hey, hold on a second, our church is different to that. Come on, we're a place of life, love, and purpose. You you ain't gonna be looked down, you ain't gonna be ostracized, you ain't gonna be asked to leave, you're gonna be welcome and embraced in this house. Do I hear an amen? amen. Number six, wow, you ready for this one? Get ready. Come on. They want you to be a Christian. They want you to be a Christian. That's the mindset of people out there today. They're like, if that's who you are, then please be it. Please be a Christian. And this should really be a given. We shouldn't even have to preach about stuff like this because we should be already doing this. But there's too much hypocrisy today in the church. Our doing and saying need to line up. Unchurched people and people on the fringes of our church actually want you to follow Jesus authentically. People are looking for a reality today. They want you, they need you to follow Jesus authentically in your life. They need you to be an example because they are looking for something to follow. They really are. Come on, St. Francis of Assisi said this words, and I think this is a great statement. He said, preach the gospel by any means possible. And if needed, use words. Come on, preach the gospel by any means. Be the gospel. Be the example for Jesus Christ. Come on, be that what God wants you to be. Because have you ever heard a light bulb talk? Has anyone ever heard a light bulb talk? A light bulb don't talk, it just shines. It doesn't have to tell you what it is. You know what it is because of what it does. Come on, you need to be a Christian by not what you say, but by who you Ah, they need you to be a Christian. People want to follow someone who is committed. I've had so many people say, man, I can't understand why my husband doesn't come to church. And I look at them and say, well, you don't come to church. Well, yeah, I do. I come at least every other week. Well, if you have no commitment to something or you have a lack of commitment to something, how can you expect someone else just to say, well, I'm going to be more committed than them? You've got to set the example. Are you with me tonight? You've got to set the example for other people. I, I, I told you this so many times. I had a lady for months and months. We prayed for our husband to be saved. Every prayer request, altar calls. We prayed for our husband over and over again. I thought he was the biggest heathen on the face of the earth. He, all our prayers and he wasn't. I met him at the grocery store one day. And I had a good time with him because I discovered some stuff in a couple of minutes. He said to me right off the bat, he said to me, you know why I don't come to church? That's how he greeted me. You know why I don't come to church? I said, man, tell me, please. We've been praying for you. He said, because of my wife. The wife who is asking prayer every service for him, he's, she's the reason he doesn't come. Because who she is on a Sunday ain't who she is. People want you to be a Christian. People need you to be a Christian. So here's what you've got to understand. Understand number six. Is that where we're at? Understand number six. The most attractive thing that you can show to those around you is how much you love Jesus and his church. That's the most attractive. If you want to be dating someone, date someone who loves Jesus more than you. Date someone who has their hands in the air more than you. Come on, date someone who doesn't care. They just worship. Date someone who, who's tithing. Date someone. Come on, date someone who is further in love. Because that's the most attractive thing. Come on, be attractive to those around you by how much you love your Jesus and his church. I like what Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said this statement and I 100% agree with it. He said, we don't have to alter the content of our services for unchurched people. He said, don't change the content of the church to reach the unsaved. But what you should change is the experience. What does that mean? By the way they're greeted at the door. By the way that they're welcomed. By the example of people they see, the experience, the praise and worship, the life, the everything. We we don't change the order of the service. We just better make sure that we're doing it in the right way. That we're creating the right experience for other people. So how do you do church? You don't get a second chance at a first impression. Number seven. They are intelligent. So speak to that. People are more educated today. They're more intelligent. They're using bigger words. They have a greater knowledge. And if they don't, they'll Google it and find it out. Amen. So they have a greater intellect today. So what we've got to be very careful is when we're sharing the gospel with them, when we're talking to them, we've got to watch that we're not speaking down to them. We're not speaking down to them. You know, even in my posture, when I'm talking to someone, if I'm coming and I'm talking to April right now and I'm talking to her about God, you know what most of the time I would always do when I'm talking to someone? I would get down on their level or lower than them. And I would just, why? Because I'm trying to relate to them. I'm not up here pointing the finger because that's what Christianity was like for most people that, that, that you're just accusing me and you think you're better than me. I, I'm, I'm lowering myself because that's the example that Jesus did. He, he, he came as a servant. He humbled himself. But that's why people came to him. Because he didn't wear the big priestly robes and he didn't say the long prayers and he didn't try and impress people with all that. He stripped himself of all those things. He, he, he became a carpenter. He, he became just a normal person like you and I. So he could reach people, not that he would ever be above them, but he would be alongside of them. And I think that's so important in our lives. Just just make it as easy for them to get on the same page as people who have attended church for years. This means if we're going to do that, we've got to educate ourselves too. Come on, let me give you a couple of ways. Here's four ways that you can educate yourself. Here's four ways that you can help yourself grow. Ready? Four keys to growth. Number one, be in church. Should be self-explanatory. You want to learn about God? Be in church. Come on, I'm glad that we don't give you what? three points, a poem and a hymn, and and then you're gone and it's not relevant for your life. I'm glad that we get in your grill. Come on. I'm glad that we mess with you just a little bit. I'm glad that we mess up. Come on. Come on. I'm glad that we get in. Why? Because we need to learn things. We grow in church. Here's the second way we grow through reading God's word. I can't understand why you don't read God's word every day. I'm not judging you for that. I just know the love that I have for God's word. And it's amazing. If you've been reading through the daily reading, nearly everything I preached on Sunday has been nearly every day through the gospel, talking about how God pursued those who were lost and his promises. And he went, anyone noticed that this week? So many references to that. Why? Because what we're doing is biblical and we're thankful for that. Here's the third thing. You want to grow, ask questions from the right people. Come on, take someone for lunch. Miss D, you know, you've been married for almost 40 plus years. Man, I, I need some marriage help. Can I take you for lunch? Can I ask you some questions? I'm telling you, Miss D will never turn down a lunch for you. I won't turn down a lunch. None of us. You want to treat us? Take us out. Come on, we'll go for a coffee. We'll, we'll, but ask questions from people. Ask questions from people. That's one of the ways that you grow is to ask questions. Here's the fourth way. Are you ready? And that is this. Come on. What? Surround yourself with people who will stretch you. People who will take you to Jesus. Not play your games, but point you in the right direction. So here's number seven, understanding. Are you ready? You can be all-inclusive without being condescending. And that's what we've got to be. We can preach the gospel without being condescending to people. And if you notice, even in our messages on Sunday... We, we try to explain Christian terms, not just throw, even like the Gospels. You know, you said in church, man, let's turn to the Gospels. Uh, a lot of people don't know what the Gospels are. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They were disciples. We try now just to explain those things for a couple of seconds. Why? Because we're not trying to be condescending with people. But we want to be all inclusive because if people don't know it, they need to know it. So people are more intelligent, just maybe don't know church. So we've got to help them with that. Number eight, almost done. Just got four more to go. Hurry up. They hate hypocrisy. They hate hypocrisy. And that can be an excuse they use too. I mean, they, they don't even almost know what that means and they just use an excuse. It's like something I saw. If you don't want to go to church, just tell me. Don't call me a hypocrite. But I hate hypocrisy too. You know why I hate hypocrisy? Because it undermines what I'm trying to do day in and day out in this church as we preach the gospel. Because we're trying to live the life. We're trying to be the life. And hypocrisy is undermining that. It's going against everything that we stand for. But it's amazing. People say, I won't go to church with hypocrites, but they go to work with hypocrites. They go to the LSU game with hypocrites. Huh? I know they expect more from churchgoers. But notice I said churchgoers and not Christians. Because a true Christian can't be a hypocrite at the same time. Right. What? Yeah, you heard me. A true Christian can't be a hypocrite at the same time. It doesn't work together. A churchgoer can, but not a true Christian. But what we've got to understand is this. Church is full of un- imperfect people too. And you better say amen to that because I'm amen. preaching to you just as much as I'm preaching. They expect us to be perfect when they come to church. We're not perfect. We have problems too. But here's understanding number eight. Are you ready? If a hypocrite is stopping you from getting to God, who's closer to him? <laughs> if a hypocrite is stopping you from getting to God, who's closer? The hypocrite. Think about that. We like to judge people like that, but think about that. People in the world see enough of this. They see enough hypocrisy. It's everywhere. So if you are not a hypocrite, man, that speaks volumes and you will be noticed in a crowd. And we will really stand out. Why? Because we need to stand out so we can reach out and touch other people. Number nine, people today love transparency. People are looking for reality today. They're tired of the smoke screens. They're tired of the lies. They're tired of being abused and hurt. People are looking for reality today. Would you just be real? That's what they want. God loves that too. That's what God wants. He wants us just to be real with him. He wants us to confess our faults and and just come clean. And it's okay to share our weaknesses. It used to be in church, you can't talk about your weaknesses because that's not godly. So it means then that people have to think that they've got to be perfect to be godly. And that puts people in a greater condemnation than you can ever imagine. Because when we don't share our weaknesses, it makes us less relevant and out of reach to those around. Make sure that they hear the word sorry from your mouth. Make sure they hear the word, I messed up, I screwed up, my bad. Make sure they see you take ownership and responsibility for those wrong things. And then see you get back up and pick yourself up. Come on, the old battle tactics from centuries ago was this. The commanders and generals would sit on the hill and they would bark down the orders and they would run off into battle. But you know what they realized? That wasn't a good way. Because when a decision needed to be made in the heat of battle, they didn't have time to go back to the top of the hill to find out what was happened. And many times they were defeated or overrun by a decision that could have been made. So what do we see happening? They started putting leaders. They started putting... Officers amongst the people. Why? So in the trenches, they could make the decisions in the heat of battle. Come on, that's what we need to realize. God hasn't put us in this earth to be distant from other people. God's put us in there to be in the trenches with them, to be there alongside of them, to roll up their sleeves. Come on, people need to see your scars because your scars are a testimony to God. Come on, this is a test, but now I went through it. Now I have a Testimony. Come on, number nine, understanding number nine. Are you ready? People will admire your strengths, but they will identify with your weaknesses. And if you haven't got all these notes tonight, Miss Nancy's going to work tomorrow at getting this up, so hopefully it will be up tomorrow. We'll try and post this tomorrow, so hopefully you can find it. I'm going to make a statement right now. you ready? There are no perfect Christians, so stop auditioning for the part. Stop auditioning for a part that you can't fill. Number 10, they will invite their friends if they like what they are discovering. People will be the best inviters. New people to church will be the best inviters that you will ever have if they love what you're doing. And you know what else? They are usually plugged into a wider community than most Christians. So we've got our little Christian circle. They've got people who are so unchurched and ungodly And they're going to start inviting them say, man, you've got to come to this place. It's great. You know, just to even today. I mean, I'll get people, I'll I'll use whatever means to get people in church. Let me tell you something. I was today setting up something and and I went into this office place and these ladies were there and they were helping me. I had to get some paperwork done for the new name today. And this lady says, oh, I could listen to you talk all day. I said, I've got a solution for you. (laughs) Sunday morning, 9 and 11 o'clock. You can hear me talk for about 40 minutes. Why don't you come to church? Here's an invite card. You know what? She said, I'll be there next Wednesday. She's coming next Wednesday to church. What am I talking about? And that is this. Come on right now. People will invite when they have a love. Come on, they've got a greater reach. And that's why we've got to get it right. Because a great reach to touch the people around them can also be a negative reach. Because if they're coming to church and they don't like what they see... They're going to tell everyone, don't go to church. It's not good. So understanding number 10, newcomers are the best ambassadors, the best representatives. Keep it fresh. Number 11, their spiritual growth trajectory varies dramatically. Everyone is at a different level, in other words, in their spiritual walk. So new people who are coming in, the growth and where they're in in their lives is is completely different because one size doesn't fit all anymore. So that's why we've got to clearly define the next steps. And we talk about that here. Here's your next steps. Be involved. Get planted. Be baptized. Pay your tithes. Come to church. Take those next steps in your life. For what reason? Because they're important. But everyone's going to take those steps in their own time and in their own way. So what have we got to do? We've got to learn to celebrate the wins. What do I mean by that? If someone is attending church now once a month, that's a whole lot better than they did last year because they didn't come once last year. So we've got to learn to celebrate the wins. They maybe haven't got it like we want them to have it, but celebrate how they have got it. Some people get all bent out of shape and say, man, I can't believe you don't read the King James Version Bible. Listen to me right now. I don't care what version you read. Just read the Bible. I mean, I think there's versions that are better than the others. Don't get me wrong. But just read the Bible. Because even if you're getting half truth from that Bible, half truth is better than no truth at all. So just read the Word of God. So understanding number 11 is this. Are you ready? Just be patient and supportive. Just be patient with some people. Some people will have that growth spurt and bam, go. Other people can be slow growers. Come on, late bloomers. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, are you a late bloomer? But give room for growth. Because remember, any growth is still growth. Come on, stay with me, understand. One more tonight, one more tonight, and my wife's going to kill me. She's in the nursery. She told me, keep it short tonight because I'm in the nursery. Some want to be anonymous and some don't. That's the different mindset. Some people don't need to be recognized. They don't want to be recognized. Some people do. That's a different personality between me and Kelly. Kelly will go into a room. She won't care. If someone says, if you're a visitor, put your hand. That's uncomfortable for her. Someone says, are you new in the house? Put your hand on. I'm like, yeah, I'm new. What's the big deal? No big deal. But different people respond in different ways. Come on, some on church people come into church craving immediate connection. They, they want community, but others want to sit back unnoticed until they're ready to make the move. And we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. That's the culture that we want to create in this church. If someone is still searching, they're welcome here. Come on, if they're saved, they're welcome. But the unsaved are welcome too. Come on, those who are found, man, this is a place to go home. But those who are still lost... We want to help you too. Those who have maybe all the answers, all the answers they need, great. But we still want those who have the questions. (laughs) Because we've got to watch how we greet and welcome people. Because if you're here checking us out, great, you're welcome home too. You're welcome home too. So understanding number 12, we've got to be friendly to both groups. Those who want to be acknowledged, those who don't. We've got to do it all. So lots of information today. But we need to understand the mindsets and the thoughts so what we can properly address and answer and welcome people in. And one thing I will say about what I've discussed today. If you really want to touch someone today, you can't do it in five minutes. You've got to invest time and energy into someone's life. It's an investment that we're making today. Take an interest, listen. I said take an interest and listen. Notice I didn't even say talk yet. Listen to what they're saying. Show them through the actions of your life and then speak. Let your words back up your actions. Not your actions backing up your words. Reaching our world is so important as you are God's chosen vessel to do that. One more scripture, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they would glorify your Father in heaven. Bow your heads tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to reach. Help us to touch. Help us to influence. God, the mindset of people around us is different, but it's not impossible. God, we just got to understand. We identified last week. Now we're understanding. And God, I pray that you would help us to take this understanding into their world. That God, we can become a part of their lives so we can invite them into our world. And God, we just pray that you would use us in so many powerful ways. Is to be a light and an example to bring hope to all those around us. Because God, the world is hopeless without you, but people don't know that. And if we just go up to people and say, you need Jesus? Some people may say yes, and some people may say, who's Jesus? We just got to realize we're in a different time. It's a different culture. But no matter the time, the culture, the mindset, the gospel message, still can reach. And we've got to do our part to be that hands and feet to reach and to touch those who are lost. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Second World War, small village in France was so blitzed and bombed. In the middle of this village, in the square, in the center of the square was a beautiful statue of Jesus with his hands stretched out wide. One of the bombs blew the statue to pieces. The people of that city gathered all the pieces and put it safely away and said, when we rebuild the city, we're going to also rebuild this statue. When they began to rebuild the statue piece by piece, they laid it upon the other, a massive jigsaw puzzle. And when they finally got to the last piece, They amazingly realized the hands and feet were missing. No hands and feet. They're like, what are we going to do? There must be more. There's got to be another box. They'd searched everywhere. The hands and feet were missing. They said, man, we can't leave a statue like this incomplete. What will we do? They said, hey, it's getting late. Let's come back tomorrow and we'll figure it out. When they came back the next day, someone had put a sign at the foot of the statue. That said something like this. There are no hands and feet of Jesus. Because he has called us to be his hands and feet. You're called to carry the gospel. You're called to be the gospel. The reach, the touch for Jesus Christ.